Welcome everyone to a new year of Spark Your Fire. It's John here and I've got uh, my friends uh, and uh, co-hosts David and Jazz. Happy New Year to you both, gentlemen. Happy New Year, John. Why are you doing the opening? Why are you stealing the show away from David? Good, good question. Uh, I, mixture of uh, coercion and uh, just keeping things exciting. <laughs> David, I'm a little bit concerned. Oh, mate, John is a very capable man. Come on, he's a he's a multi talented <laughs> man. So I I don't mind he grabbing what I, what I was doing. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I think as as a, as a matter of fact, I think it's actually good to have him doing intro from time to time to give our audiences a bit of change, so that you know everyone's not sick of my voice all the time. Yeah, I agree. He's got a pretty seductive voice. Who wants that? <laughs> yeah, very exciting. I know. We've got, I know. We've- We've got some pretty exciting things uh, for you today. Obviously, we we um, we've all had a Christmas break. We've come back with tans uh, and beards and those sorts of things. Um, and I think today, what we're going to cover off is um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the macro because a couple of interesting things have happened over the December, early January period uh, in terms of sort of announcements from central banks. We're going to cover all that stuff, um, but then we're gonna we're gonna go uh, in uh, into the property market. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the types of properties that we think are going to outperform in 2022, because we know that we've got a lot of property investors out there listening. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the types of properties that are going to outperform in 2022. Shall we get started, gentlemen? Let's go. Roll. I think that's a great start to kick off 2022 for our listeners. Um, but yeah, it certainly wasn't a, a quiet Christmas, I think, for everyone in uh, in, in December. Let's that's, put it that way. So um, and uh, you know what better way to open up the year with uh, with um, the macro updates uh, around what, what has happened in December? Um, so I think the first key point that we want to touch on, thanks, John, by the way, is the uh, U.S. inflation uh, figures in December, uh, which I think was around seven point something percent, if I'm not mistaken. Which and is it's. If I can quote the headline, US inflation rises to another 40-year high of 7%. Okay, so that's from the CBC News in US. Um, and, you know, as, you, as we all can imagine, that kind of figures is a bit like the Sydney property price rises that we saw last year. It's probably not going to be sustainable. Uh, we all know that it's not going to be sustainable. Okay. Um, but having said that, you know, it's like one extreme to, it, to the other. At the start of the year, we're looking at what a, a 1% type inflation. And then towards the end of the year, it, it finally spiked that. Um, now, so gents, if I can bring it back to, the, um, to, to your two very smart, smart, smart brains uh, in terms of how that inflation figure is going to have an impact on the US this year. Okay. And... Um, how is that inflation figure going to impact Australian? Because ultimately our listeners are mostly Australian. So is that going to impact Australians at all? And how would it impact Australia when the reserve banks look at that kind of figures? Any thoughts? So to start with, I think this is going to be a very hard year to navigate because Fed is sort of stuck in a hard and a rock place mm. with the inflation figures coming at 7% which is the highest, I think, David, you said in the 40 years. Um, Fed is stuck where they would like to increase rates and they do want to increase rates this year, uh, which we did discuss last year as well. Um, and so, so, did, so are the some of the analysts 
prediction uh, predictions for this year that we'll see up to three rate hikes, three to four. Fed is also talking about is the uh, cut down of the bond buying. So basically, in other words, reduce the taper. So when you look at those two together, in the past when they have tried to increase the rates or do tapering, it's obviously impacted the markets pretty heavily. And we see, we can see that again, um, the same thing happened at the start of the year, post the Jerome Powell's uh, statement that was issued. So whether, whether the investors overall will be risk on or risk off is going to be a very, very interesting story for this year. There's a lot of cash that will be sitting on the sidelines that probably want to go into the market, but uh, until it's, it becomes a little bit more clear, clearer whether the rates will actually rise or not, it's going to be a very interesting market to watch. And we can already see that right from the start of the years, doesn't matter which market you look at, whether it's the stock market in general, S&P 500, or whether you look at the crypto markets or even commodities like precious metals, gold and silver, they all have been um, hammering, they all have been hammered a bit. So uh, it's, a, it's very early because saying and doing are two different things. So it'll be a it will be a story of the year to watch and navigate these markets. I think it's going to be a very hard year in in my opinion to navigate through from yeah. an investing perspective. Sorry, John. No, 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 definitely. So, I mean, so if the Fed goes, so the RBA in Australia is saying that they're not going to go until twenty twenty four. Now that that's a long way away. Um, you could probably see some rates uh, rate increase has been brought forward to 2023 but i think 2022 is off the table from an australian perspective so what it means if the fed moves three times in america that means for the first time in many years there's going to be a bit of a divergence in policy settings between australia and the us so we will be kind of out of sync if they start moving and then two years later we start moving what's going to happen is that the aussie dollar is going to go down so you'll probably see the dollar go below 70 cents this year if the Fed proceeds with the rate hikes. Now, if the Aussie dollar goes to like 65 cents or something like that because our rate hikes are several years away and the Fed's moving this year, what I can kind of see happening is the overseas buyers start coming back into the Australian property market. So a weaker Aussie dollar is good for asset prices, but I don't necessarily think that we want that right now. It's quite inflationary. So what, what we might see uh, for the first time since about 2015 is uh, overseas buyers coming back, scooping up Australian property if the dollar, the Aussie dollar gets hit. And I think that's what we would, that will be the story of 2022 if the Fed moves, but the RBA doesn't. So that's a very interesting take, John. Um but what about, we already saw banks raising interest rates independent to RBA last year. Mm. Some of the banks raised three to four times, at least just yeah. last year towards the end of the year, Q3, Q4. On the fixed rates, yes. Yeah, yeah that's the fixed, yep. What are your thoughts when you see that happening, regardless of what RBA does? Are you still of the same opinion that... Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right that there might be one or two out-of-cycle increases by the banks. Um, 
but when when we have a look at what what's a what's a fixed rate mortgage these days for three years, it's what two and a half percent. We're still miles below the pre-COVID times. Um, rates are still very low. Most people are already locked in, and I think that most people's rates are going to reset in 2023, which will be an interesting time. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think that the, the big action is going to happen in the currency markets this year. If, the, if there's going to be tapering and if there is going to be rate rise, then do you really want to be in the risk on assets like uh, stock markets mm. and crypto and all the other places? Or it's more of money sitting in the sidelines, just waiting for action to happen first rather than the talks? So. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point because generally speaking, higher interest rates are bad for asset prices. Um, but you can you can also have interest rates go up and still be below where a free market system would, would put the interest rates. So that is to say that interest rates can still go up and still be stimulatory because they're so low at the moment that even if interest rates go up by half a percent, they could still be too low. Uh, this is sort of what Peter Schiff talks about. He's, he says, you know, we're, we're, like... Even if rates go up one percent, they're still too low. It's still stimulatory, so that that's that's interesting. One other thing about the interest rates is we're assuming that the Fed increases interest rates by uh, three times. I think Goldman Sachs said that they would go up three times. I think one of the the, the president of the Philadelphia Fed said that they would go up three three times this year. What one thing that we've always said on this podcast is that there's going to be a lot of talking about interest rate increases and not a lot of doing of interest rate increases. So that would be one thing to watch as well. Like if we get, get to the end of the year and there's been one interest rate increase, um, th- that, that's a very interesting perspective because um, the, the, I think the Fed is going to want us to think that the interest rates are going up faster than they are mm-hmm. to keep a lid on sentiment and inflation mm-hmm. without having to actually do anything. Because it's really, it's really hard to put interest rates up with this much debt. Mm-hmm. What do you think if if just the assumption that if the rates were to go up, let's say three times, right? If Jerome really goes that hard and uh, actually does it, what do you think will happen to the precious metals? Well, the last time right, the uh, interest rates were put up, the the precious metals went up. I think there's a sort of a, a risk off misunderstanding that uh, precious metals go up when rates go down. Uh, precious metals go up when there's monetary disorder. So it, it's what, whatever whatever is uh, kind of unexpected will push the precious metals higher. But what I can say is in that sort of period in the late uh, 2010s when the, the Fed was increasing rates, uh, precious metals went up. Uh, what we can already see that is that actually that I know we're only sort of three weeks into the year, but with all the talk of interest rate increases, one of the best performing assets so far this year, and I know that we're only a couple of weeks in, but is precious metals and gold. Gold's doing really well so far this year. I think it'll have a good year, even if they put rates up. Mm-hmm. It will be a very roller coaster ride this year. Not for property. Property is different, but for other markets. Last year, it was straight hockey stick for all asset classes. This year, this year, I think it's going to be a very roller coaster ride, depending upon how Fed plays the game. You know what we haven't mentioned yet as well, which is that there's going to be an election probably in May, a federal election in May. So, so I, I kind of feel that means that policy in general means that they'll be sitting on their hands um, doing nothing 
um, until for the first half of the year. I suspect there's probably going to be a lot of uh, cash splash by both sides of uh, the political spectrum. So it's going to be it's going to be uh, an interesting year in Australia. And I think that what you can take to the bank, always dangerous, is a lower Aussie dollar, because I think that's what they're going to want to see. They're not going to want to rock the boat. If there's inflation, they'll try to just get the inflation in the right parts of the economy. Um, they're, they're not going to be reigning in inflation can be painful. We used to call it austerity, but uh, like I don't think they're going to want to do anything painful in, a, in an election year. So mm-hmm. that's one to watch as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not this year, isn't it? I mean, there's there's a few there's a few factors at play, but I think the key word is uncertainty we just can't see not like last year we can't really see clearly how the direction is going to go this year like you said you know that it might be just all bluff no actual no actual doing right like um because they want to be able to control the market and want to be able to control the sentiment of the investors to that degree rather than actually pulling the trigger um yeah so there's multiple factors at play this year i have to say it's uh it, it is it is going to be it is going to be interesting to say at least. And I think, uh, you know, every month is going to present different stories. Um, there'll be a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, John. I, I think with people so overloaded with debt at the moment, putting up anything um, would number one, actually impact the sentiments a lot. And number two, it's actually going to put people into hardship potentially. Um, so every time when they hike the rates, yeah, it, it, it is going to have a financial impact not just on the economy, but more on people's households and families. So, mm. And one thing I forgot to mention is midterm elections in November in the US. That's a really, really big kind of um, time for the, for the US. So they're, they're not going to want to, you know, I mean, if, if, the, um, if the Fed starts raising interest rates aggressively into an election, the incumbent is going to... Um, uh, probably suffer electorally. So you, you're probably going to find some White House pressure on the Fed not to do that um, and not to do that too aggressively. So, uh, you know, on reflection after this conversation, I, I'm, I'm settling into the view that there might be a tokening uh, rate increase this year, but I think the real movement happens in 2023 after these elections pass and, and that they can, they've got some clear air. It's funny, John. You just said what I was about to say. That just <laughs> after reflecting on the discussion that we are having, yeah. I, there will be. I swear to God, I was about to say that. Uh, Great minds think alike, Jazz. That's it. But let's bring it back to our Australian listeners as well. Um, what do we think about the national sport of Australia, property market? What will, what will that do? <laughs> that do? Hang on, I thought that was that was cricket. <laughs> uh, that's the fake one. <laughs> this is the real <laughs> coming from you, Jazz. Hang on, <laughs> don't you watch test matches? <laughs> no, I'm ready for the not cap. anymore. Not anymore. You watch, you watch markets, uh, exactly. More than sports Australian now. Open, it's about to get yeah, started. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so properties. properties. Uh, yeah, so what do we think? Well, this discussion that we just had due to the property market overall in Australia, and what kind of properties will actually outperform? regardless of the state. Dave, you're our interstate investor. You should... Uh, <laughs> you should <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say the first one is the easy one. Um, you know, like the, the first one to give the opinion is going to be the easy one. Uh, I don't mind going first, but okay. So, um, so yeah, look, I think 
in general, this year, property relatively stable, still going to be relatively stable. Like it's not going to be a, a lot of uh, ups and downs like other commodities, um, share markets, other asset classes, just because of the fact that it was less volatile um, to that degree and um, less liquid as well. So, but there will still be demand. There will still be demand across the board uh, due to low, low interest rate in, uh, that we're seeing at the moment. Uh, like we suspected, if the cash rate does not move much and what the banks are tinkering at the moment are mid-term fixed rates, which means in the short term, the property market is still going to perform quite well um, due to the, the people people's demand of either that's dwelling or investing. Uh, I reckon this year, we're starting to see a shift in terms of um, affordability in apartments. Um, so apartments, we're talking about in general, Sydney and Melbourne apartments uh, are probably going to do quite well uh, in the sense that they're much more affordable in comparison to houses. You're talking about houses in Sydney and Melbourne. Sydney in particular has done a, a really spike and Melbourne will be, Melbourne house prices will also be doing quite well this year, I suspect, once the borders and immigrants start to come back in. But apartments uh, prices, which have not actually had much movement last year, I think we'll start to see some movements this year um, as people getting priced out, unable to afford houses and townhouses and now starting to look into apartments. Uh, but it's really a tale of different cities, I have to say. You know, in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, that's, uh, houses are still continuing to perform, but it's not going to be in the same velocity as what we're seeing last year. Uh, you know, not looking at 20 to 30%, probably a single digit more likely this year. And, but in the same time, we talk about the Brisbane, the Adelaide, the Perth markets. I think the house markets are going to do really good uh, in those in those areas. I got to say so. Um, so yeah, I, I think in general, property market is a property in Australia is a good investment asset this year for people who haven't actually jumped on yet. I reckon there will still be some growth uh, that, that that's still yet to be had, depending on where you buy and what you buy, um, and. I think to bring it to the back to the point, people focus too much on the interest rates to a degree and neglect the fact that, you know, there's always going to be demand for houses, disregard what the interest rate is going to be. Um, and so, like we always said, invest when you can, when you can afford it, rather than try to time it. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. John? Yeah, I love what you just said, Dave. I think that's a really good point about interest rates being but one of the drivers of the real estate market. Um, you know, it's it's an asset class. It's a leveraged asset class. Interest rate, much higher interest rates, is obviously not great for, for real estate. But if you if you, uh, but if if that was the only thing that mattered, um, real estate would have crashed in the seventies and eighties, and you know then gone up in the nineties uh, and, and noughties. But actually, real estate went up in the seventies and eighties as well. And um, and I think that um, there's a lot of different drivers. So. I think that's a really good point as well because we kind of upset because it also uh, if you sort of detach yourself from just interest rates, you get away from the speculation of what what these central bankers are going to do, and it's kind of unhealthy because you've got to play your own game um, and run your own race. So I think that uh, you know, as fun as it is to guess, uh, it, it takes you away from that, which is good. Uh, all right, so the the types of properties that will outperform this year, I'll, I'll start. I'll start with kind of locations. I, I kind of agree with you, Dave. I think. Brisbane's going to be the big performing market. I, I don't agree on Adelaide and some of the smaller markets, though. And the only reason is, is because I just don't think they have the demographic drivers 
to keep going this hard for this many years. Um, Hobart, for example, is, is the same. I, I just don't see that they have the, the demographic or, or economic drivers. And I could be wrong because I don't know those markets particularly well, but I know that um, Adelaide's been a million people for 30 years now. Um, or so, so it, it, you know, I just I don't see where the, the new money comes from other than general inflation. Uh, but Brisbane, I agree with Br- Brisbane for sure. Um, uh, and Brisbane's got the Olympics coming up. And so it's actually probably going to be the start of quite a long period of growth rather than just one or two years. So Brisbane's probably going to have a nice decade, uh, which is, which sounds good, doesn't it? Um, so, so Brisbane's good. In the Brisbane market, which I don't know particularly well, you, you, you probably want to be targeting um, houses, larger blocks, um, and avoid flood zones and those sorts of things. Uh, I'd be targeting brick houses as well, just so you've got that, that period of longevity as well. Um, but but bringing it back to sort of the city market, which I know better, um, I, I think that in 2022, apartments, villas, and townhouses are going to outperform houses. I, I don't think that that's my kind of long-term view. My long-term view is that land is the most important factor and you want to be owning um, houses. But I think if you can buy apartments, villas, or townhouses with high land contents in, in very good locations, that'll be a very good, um, that'll be a good option. Things, th- what, as a buyer's agent, what I get asked for a lot is apartments with courtyards and those sorts of things. So if you're getting, if you, if you're getting those sorts of things, I think that's important. There are also parts of Sydney that have the qualities of regional. So in some of the Southern suburbs of Sydney that are beachside, they're quite affordable. So you can get a villa for 1.3 million or something like that, um, a block from the beach uh, and 20 minutes to the city. There, there are places that, that I think will outperform. Um, so I, th- I think that smaller complexes will do very well. Um, and I, th- I think there are parts of Sydney, um, but you do your own research on that. But I think there are parts of Sydney that will do very well. One other one other. Uh, one other sort of trend that I, I think will manifest in 2022 is that if we are going through a period of inflation and if there's a lot of supply chain issues and if the cost of raw materials goes up, that means it's going to be very expensive to build. What, what that means, if it's expensive to build, existing dwellings will become more valuable than new dwellings. So that will add a premium to older properties, existing properties that don't need to be constructed. Um, so that, that's one thing to watch as well. So new, new properties are probably going to suffer uh, and existing older dwellings are probably going to do very well because it sits outside that construction period. But um, overall, I think the big surprise this year is going to be that Sydney does well again. Um, and I'm, I wear Sydney underpants, so I'm probably not the best person to give impartial advice on Sydney. But the early data for, for January is that Sydney's nearly doing as well as Brisbane. Um, and um, and I think once borders open, blah, 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 I think Sydney's going to do quite well, but I don't think it'll do double-digit growth, whereas you probably get double-digit growth out of Brisbane. So, um, yeah, another, I think a, a good year broadly, but certainly not like, not like last year. Can I add something there, John? I think yeah. with um, yeah. <clears throat> so you mentioned about Adelaide and and and, and you know mm. like the smaller towns. I think one major factor, which before we jump on the sh- uh, on the show as well, was talking about whether the trend of sea change, tree change, is going to continue mm. this year, because that is going to be a key determining factor in terms of how the regionals and how those 
smaller capital city is going to do. And I think to a degree, we all agree that given how Omicron variant has impacted the society to date, and who knows, there might be other variants that's going to continue, the work from home type of situation is going to continue to that degree, which means you know, employers will have to be more lenient. They're going to have to. They're going to have to allow employees to be able to work from home or work remotely, which then incentivizes people might be able to move to more of a lifestyle location, whether that's regional, whether that's Adelaide, whether that's a that's a beachside suburb, that kind of things. I reckon that's probably the main drivers in terms of what's really been driving the Adelaide market or the smaller markets is actually that there will still be potentially in twenty twenty two people continue to move towards that kind of lifestyle location rather than sticking to a apartment that is a few kilometers away from the office for easy commute okay so that's i think that's uh, that's my view in terms of how these smaller markets can continue to do potentially do well uh, in 22 yeah yeah no that's 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 definitely reasonable yeah yeah as so. what about you i think melbourne and sydney will underperform this year. So maybe a bit of a contrarian view. What, the, what does underperform mean? Maybe for, uh, compared to Brisbane, Adelaide. Yeah, and still grow. Still grow. But yeah. So I think they will clearly outperform. Uh, underperform over here basically means is we'll probably not see more than five to seven, maybe if we are lucky in parts of the uh, states, 10% growth uh, for Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, but I do see favorite of growth happening uh, in Brisbane. Brisbane, obviously, for obvious reasons. Adelaide, purely because it's been um, so uh, cheap compared to some of the other cities that the affordability is probably going to drive the prices up over there a bit. Uh, And Perth, for the other reasons that we discussed last month. So all in all, I think we're not going to see growth like what we saw last year in Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, I think it will be fairly flat, especially if the uh, Fed actually increases the rates. Uh, I think that will have a little bit of a domino effect on the other markets, uh, which means you can see the future a little bit for Australia as well. And when you start to see that future, uh, that will impact some, that will have some impact on the prices, I think, yeah, in my opinion. But still pretty good. I mean, if if even if it goes up by 5 to 10%, that's still uh, 30 to 40% growth in two to three years. That's a lot. That's, yeah. that's kind of growth. It's just that uh, uh, one, one year did most of the heavy lifting, lift, lifting yeah. then, then uh, a bit of a spread out. So that's, that's yeah. all. Last year was absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Let's put it that way. All markets, it's quite rare to see all markets booming like that, right? And all going in the similar velocity. But this year, I think yeah, things going to normalize a bit more. Basically, you know, each city is going to continue to do their thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and that sort of goes back to the same point that the markets are going to be very hard to navigate this year for the people who are trying to catch the waves, mm. whether it's the stock market or whether it's the commodities or whether it's the crypto property market from that perspective as well, uh, because there will be that uh, changes that are happening in the policy changes that, that will be driving a lot of uh, spikes and volatility is probably the right word. So a lot of volatility in the market, I think. I think to bear in mind as well is that despite the amazing boom from last year, it was an upgrader market, which is to say that investors were decidedly absent from the 2021 boom. Now, there's a lot of speculation that there's a bubble in the Australian property market, in particular 
parts like Sydney, for example, that it's bubble territory. I personally don't see how you can have a an asset bubble absent investors. You you can't have a, a bubble with just owner occupiers. You so when, when the, the bubble the, the the boom led up to 2017, that was led by investors. That makes sense. This is not that time. We haven't had investors yet. The reason I think this has still got some steam is I think that there's going to be a period where rents are going to go up, investors are going to come into the market, and it's going to keep this going for a little bit longer. Not a lot longer, but a little bit longer. Um, So investors have to come back for this to be a fully-fledged, irrational, blow-off-top bubble, and we we don't have investors yet. So that's why this has a little bit longer to run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agree on that the yield hasn't catch up yet at the moment across yeah. Sydney. Although I think the rents in general are, are started to rise at the moment. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, what, that's the thing to watch this year. Actually, it's going to yeah. be rents and yields. Yep, that's a really good point. Actually, I think I think we'll see a bit of spike in that space. Mm-hmm. And I think Melbourne market is probably going to be determined based on uh, when the variants going to be under control, when the borders are going to be open again, because I think they're shut now again. Right from from memory, I think they're pretty much. Uh, okay. Back to yeah, back to where it was anyway. But yeah, as soon as the as soon as the borders start to open, the immigrants come back in. Uh, that's going to start driving the Melbourne market. So the sooner that they can do that, the quicker that the Melbourne market is going to be able to rebound. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All right, <clears throat> um, let's move on to other asset classes. Um, commodities we kind of touched on a little bit. John, anything else you want to add there apart from the precious metals? The only thing I'd add is that oil is back over 80 bucks. Now, crude oil uh, is definitely something that you should all be watching um, because it's the one, well, in my opinion, at least, it's uh, it's telling you a lot of stuff about supply chains and inflation. So oil got down to 60. It's back over 80. Watch oil. Um, my big thesis, just to repeat it for, 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 for you know the gazillionth time, is that you know that the... Um, the boom is over or the bubble is over, the, the inflation peters out probably in a crash um, in an ugly way when crude oil hits $200 and that'll probably happen in the next two years. Mm-hmm. I got a question, John, regarding the metal space. Mm. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot for that. What do you? How do you look at copper to gold ratio? I mean, what does that, what significance does it hold? Um from a macro perspective, oh, I, I, I don't actually even follow the copper price that much. I know it's up. Uh, any ratio to gold is just uh, an inflation-free price. So, um, at at one point in time, I expect uh, all prices to cr- to crash in terms of gold. Um, but but that's because I expect gold to spike at some stage in the future. But um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, copper's copper's doing really well, isn't it, since 2020? So so it's starting to shift. The ratio is starting to shift in favor of gold. That doesn't mean that mm. it's going to go up in prices. I mean, it may. we have discussed that separately on the pod for other reasons, mm-hmm. right? But the ratio is surely starting to favor the gold, which tells me that, again, it's kind of a risk-off story to some extent because yeah. copper, copper is an industrial metal used in various industries yep. so people shying away just tells me the story a little bit that's all yeah uh, look, look uh, all i know is I that i don't know much about this stuff so i could be wrong completely no i look i know that if if you want to uh, replace the electric you know combustion engine with electric cars you're going to need to um 
increase copper and nickel mining by about six times, I say to my environmentalist friends um, who want to electrify everything. So there needs to be a massive ramp up in in uh, mining to to have these um, electrical vehicles. Um, so so you got to watch copper, you got to watch nickel. They're they're sort of the you know copper's the arteries, uh, nickel's for the storage in the batteries. The other thing to watch is uranium. Uranium's up nine percent today. Um, and if you watched, if you saw the um, BHP in Rio Tinto yesterday, they were up really big yesterday. So they're they're uranium miners, and they're going to do very well. Um, if that trend continues, but I actually don't hold those stocks, by the way, so that's not advice or anything. Um, but but you'd be watching the miners in that space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's good, uh, Jack. What about you? anything you want to talk about on the commodity side of things? Or not much on commodities other than what we have already discussed. Uh, in last year, we did make a prediction that crypto will probably outperform this year, right? Uh, but I'm sort of 50-50 on that now. Uh, it can, it may may not depending upon how it all plays out uh, from a macro landscape perspective with uh, what Fed does. Uh, if we actually start to see rate rises or tapering continue, then I think crypto is a very risk on market. So I think we'll see uh, move away from that asset class into other others, uh, like gold, maybe to some extent, which is more safe haven. Uh, but that's all, like I said, it, this year is very is going to be a very tough year to navigate, uh, depending upon what is being said and what is being done. So what is being said will drive the markets to some extent, but what is being done will change the landscape. So we'll see. So buy the news, sell the rumor kind of story. A lot of that stuff will be going on, I think, this year. It's just volatility, isn't it? So that's why, and and and, and it's being a bit unclear in terms of the direction. So yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, any crypt, any other crypto news? I think India uh, is set to launch its first Bitcoin. I think ETF. that's a that's a big piece of news. The one that you're talking about, David, is yeah, yeah set to launch their Bitcoin EDF. Uh, it is obviously a big market. I think they were planning last year, but again, uh, one one day they are banning it, the next day they are uh, launching an ETF. So, uh, look, it's going to eventually happen, uh, but when it happens, it opens up a big, big market um, pretty much for all kinds of investors because uh, crypto is a very tech-based space. So unless you are tech-savvy, you don't really want to play in this space, but launching of a thing like a ETF uh, on a stock exchange opens up for the opens up the opportunity for the whole population. So I think it's a big, big, big piece of news if it happens. Yeah. But again, in a big schema of things, um, it matters less because what matters is what's happening in the macro landscape. So just got to watch that, I think, to some extent. Fair enough. Get ready for roller coaster ride by the sounds of it for all investors this year. It's, yep. uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of ups and downs and a lot of crazy ups and downs by the sounds of it because of the amount of money that's been flooding the market. So, but yeah. You bet that's going to happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Anything else you want to add? That's it. John? John? No, that's, uh, that's good. You know, I, I, I would say that um, every year there is a 10% 
a correction in the stock market every year. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, expect the volatility. Um, We've already have a macro. We've yeah, already tried at the start of the year, John. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a, that's right. There's a, there's a bit of a rotation out of tech at the moment, um, and um, yeah, just, just just expect it and and don't. Uh, throw the toys out of the pram when it happens. <laughs> this is the year where we test the patience and test the, um, um, yeah, how, how good the investors are with uh, volatility, I guess. You know, the ones that can hold out, the ones that can stay put, it's always going to be the long, long run winner. That's the way I look at it. So I think, every, I think everyone who was invested last year was a genius. This year, but actually the ones, the ones who performed this year will, will tell, will, will be the story, I think, to watch whatever hedge funds or uh, other assets, uh, asset management firms that will be interesting to see the results overall. So, yeah. Mm, okay. No, very good. All right. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on the space for the uh, rest of the year. I mean, it, it is only just the first episode. So uh, um, I'm sure there will be lots to follow um, this year. But by the sounds of it, the consensus is um, we're not too sure about the riskier type of investments at the moment, you know, the um, the property is always going to play its part. So that one's quite stable. The precious metals, um, which is more of a, um, you know, the gold, silver, that kind of things, uh, which also plays pretty conservatively. That's also going to be very popular this year um, as people park their cash uh, on, on, on these type of assets. Um, yeah, and stock markets, um, crypto is going to be volatile. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Get All right, wild 2022. Yeah, so fun ride. <laughs> it's rare to see. Yeah, sorry, John. No, no. I said I was going to say, Jazz. It's rare to see. It's rare to see you can kind of making statements that you know the future is a bit unclear at the moment. <laughs> um, but that's just. I can understand why. I mean, there's a lot of talks and no no doing. Like, um, you know, with with all these, what do you, what do you call it? smoke smoke and bombs that type of, type <laughs> of stuff? Yeah, so. I think I think it's a little bit unclear, uncertain um, at the start. Yeah. As we move uh, into the first end of the Q1, start of Q2, it will start to make more sense. So get more visibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Welcome back to 2022. A lot of fun stuff to be had this year, especially when the ride is such a roller coaster ride. It's always fun. Uh, don't lose all your money and <laughs> hopefully uh, we'll try and make sense of this year as we go. Uh, play safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday. The team. <laughs> <laughs>